on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz, your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. High noon on a Tuesday afternoon, and that can only mean one thing. It's time to go inside the electric factory here on Steelers Nation Radio. It's Steelers Blitz, and I've got my guy Chris Carter with me again on this Tuesday afternoon. What's going on, Craig? You just couldn't get enough of us, huh? I can never get enough of Steelers Nation Radio. I know y'all can't either, and I hope y'all can't get enough of me, because here comes two hours of it. And, you know, I like to be transparent here. I like to peel back the curtain. I mean, you're looking nice. Nice today. You, you got sir. the suit. You yep. got the bow tie. Yep. Gotta gotta look dapper. Listen, come on. This is radio, all right? You, <laughs> didn't you get the memo of like a gym shorts and hoodies and t-shirts? You know, I did that yesterday. But then I said, I'm coming in when I'm when I'm sitting in Moses' chair, I got I gotta look smooth. Speaking of yesterday, you and I had some great conversation in for, for Tunch sure. and Wolf for two hours. We got into a lot of different topics. Uh, obviously talked about Mason, talked about Minka, talked about the, the run game or lack thereof, the turnovers, the lack of capitalization from the turnovers. We got into it, the play calling, everything yesterday on the show. And so, you know, Tuesdays are usually my pensive day. Mm-hmm. You know, Tuesdays are the day where really, okay, you spend all day Monday, right, reacting to the game, yep. obviously. There's not a ton of thinking that has to go into doing shows on Monday if, if that you know what I mean if that makes right. sense it's it's more so reacting to what you saw on Sunday and, and, and kind of laying everything out there and then you know tomorrow once we get to Wednesdays there's um, you know things that come up in the Mike Tomlin press conference and you've got injury updates mm-hmm. and you're looking ahead to Thursday which is the big practice day of the week and then once you get to Thursday you've got those practice reports and you're starting to turn the page and look ahead to the next epo- Tuesday is the day Mr. Carter where I get pensive, you know, and I start to think about really, okay, what did I digest from yesterday? What really stands out to me from the game before we finally turn the page here? Yep. And again, there's just, from the first three weeks in particular, and of course from the game Sunday in Mm -hmm. Santa Clara at at Levi Stadium at the Field of Jeans. Mm -hmm. The Field of Jeans. There... Is certainly plenty to digest, plenty to to get into still here on this Tuesday. But what sticks out to Pensive Wesley, okay? Okay. Is, man, they've just got to find a better way to get more out of Mason Mm -hmm. and to support Mason and to put him in the best place to succeed. Because just point blank period, two completions past the line of scrimmage. Cannot work. Cannot work. Nope. I don't care if your defense forces five turnovers every single game for the rest of the season. It's just not going to happen. Two completions past the line of scrimmage is is not going to work, and I think that is the biggest thing that I'm still thinking about on this Tuesday afternoon. Absolutely. I mean, that, that that's the thing. you got to find ways that work to his advantage. And it's not necessarily about making him comfortable and making letting him just feel good. It's about it's about saying, hey, these are things that you're going to have to see. Let's and, and seeing how he reacts in those situations. Um, and 
part of that's going to involve, and, and I, I wrote the, about this after the Patriots game, one thing that the Steelers didn't use, they only used six times in all their snaps against the Patriots, was motion. And that's something Tom Brady did almost 75% of that game, and it's, it's something he always does. He motions one guy from the right side to the left side or vice versa, and in doing so, the defense is forced to tip their hand. Are they in man? Are they in zone? Who's lined up on who? And that forces the defense to communicate, which allows you to say, okay, they're in this. So even if they're showing me this, they have to move, move because they can't afford that guy to just be be wide open. So I think it's about finding simple ways. Because they didn't use motion a lot in this game either. No. Um, I think it's about finding simple ways like that to, ident- to help him identify, okay, they're not really faking the blitz here. Because we brought this up in my Carter's Classroom thing that we did uh, yesterday on Steel Nation right. Radio. Ring, the, ring, ring, ring the bell. Yes, exactly. Just get the, you know, find, you know, he had a hard time identifying what they were actually doing post-snap because he was getting faked out. When you do those things, and this is why Tom Brady's the best processor of the field I've ever seen. He's able to dissect what you're doing because he's going to say, aha, I got, to the, I got to the line with 20 seconds. Let me use a motion. Let me call this audible real quick. Let me fake a hike. Now you're exposing your defense and what you're actually trying to do and not necessarily what you're disguising. So that's that's what you're, I think that's a big part of helping him get comfortable is give him those tools to identify what, see, what he's seeing because – if he can, I think the biggest problem was he didn't know what he was seeing half the time. And the, there were a bunch of times, and I, I now I've had the 22, there were quite a few times where people were covered, but there were also quite a few times guys were wide open. I mean, when we talked about the um, the De- Deontay Johnson, the first play of the game where Mason Rudolph checks down to James Conner, Vance McDonald was running up a scene. He used a double move, but he was running up a scene wide open. If he if he hits him, he, he, I mean, he he's... I think he would have been at the 10-yard line with a full head of steam, and he might score on the opening drive. And where does the game even go from there if that's how you start Absolutely. the game? That's the thing is that I think Mason is just – he still has to figure out what he's actually seeing. That's the best way you can help him. Talk to him about like, hey, we didn't do this a lot last week. Let's try this to, so that you can confirm what you think the defense is doing. I think that's a huge first step Randy Feekner can help him with. So what are those tools that you speak of then in that regard, right? Because – Maybe you can tell me it's it's just this is the last thing Steeler Nation wants to hear. Right. But maybe he j- it's going to take him some time. He just needs some more games. He needs some more reps. Uh, maybe uh, there are some specific things that they can work on, right? Because none of us expect him to be able to right. survey a field like Tom Brady at no. this point, no, <laughs> or, or no, no, maybe no, no. even ever, right? But but I think at the same time too, as you mentioned, there are tools, there are certain things that they can do um, to put him in a better position. No, absolutely not. You you can't. Um you, you can't count that against him, um, you know, that he's that he's not all the way there right away. Uh, and that's not what I'm saying. But that's the thing is by using motion, by giving him, by, by giving – I'd say also another thing is you got to be even crisper with your play calling. As in, as soon as the, the last play is done – Go in with the next with the play immediately, so that you know when that play clock starts and it's counting down from forty, and you get to, by the time it gets to thirty-five, they have the play and they're just t- talking in the huddle and making sure they're. And that way, by the time they get to the line. You're talking maybe 25, 20 seconds, and that gives Mason Rudolph, and that's when you tell him, like, all right, each time we come out in different formations, I want you to, to check, I want you to talk to the line, I want you to say what you see, then I want you to use this motion, you know, move, put Juju in the slot and move him around, because that's the guy, you know, Deontay Johnson might not scare nobody, and Vance McDonald might be out with, with, with injury, we'll figure that out later with, 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 how, with how this week plays out. Yeah, tomorrow, I should say that too, I think there might be some people, sorry not to, not to cut no, you of off course, here, of course. but there might be some people People who've turned tuned in here in the last five or seven minutes or so, thinking, "Wait a second, where's the Mike Tomlin press conference?" Right, right. So I should make sure to say uh, that'll be tomorrow at noon uh, with the Steelers traveling back from the West Coast and some of the time change and the travel differences. 
uh, with that. And then, of course, the game being on Monday, so them having an extra day to kind of pushing prep back this right. week a day, if you will. Tomorrow at noon, right here on Steelers Nation Radio, we will have <laughs> your uh, your Coach Tomlin press conference. Mr. Carter, continue. Well, yeah, and, and, and that's where we'll find out hopefully more about Vance's status going forward. That was actually, what actually, made me think of that. Right, and, and the thing is, is whether Vance is there or not, Juju is still your top target, and Juju is the team, the person on the team that the opponents are going to say, "Guard him! You got to take him away. If we don't take him away, he's going to kill us." Uh, that's what you have to, and, and that's why I think put him in a slot where he's very good at. He's he's he's. I mean, he's great on the outside too, but he is extremely efficient. He might be their best slot. You know, he is their best slot option yeah. when you line him up inside. So. That's the thing. You move him around, that's what's going to force people. And you could put James Washington, Deontay Johnson outside the numbers, let them be your flanker and your split end, and just let 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 Juju move around because teams will freak out and they'll be like, okay, we got to get somebody either right on him or we got to get a zone there. And that's what will allow Mason, okay, they're in this. And now, once that happens, again, that's right by that time. We're saying there's 25, 20 seconds on the play clock by the time we get to this point. So now you're at the 15, 10 second mark. Now you could do fake hikes. Get you know, get say hut hut and, and and if a corner's coming, okay, that's the man right there, and you know, or this is the mic, they're over there. Let's 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 identify where they're coming from, what they're actually doing, and then he'll be able to hit Vance McDonald when he's streaking down the middle of the field. He'll be able to find Juju Smith Schuster when he's coming com- coming on an out route, and there's only one guy on his side of the field. Those are the things that you can. That, and again. It takes a lot of preparation to get used to doing those things, especially when there's six foot five behemoths breathing down your neck and coming <laughs> after you. But part of that is just being extra prepared, going into the game and saying, "Okay, we're identifying. We're using these tools, even if it doesn't work right away." You got. He has to get used to doing it because coming to the line with 15, 10 seconds left and just standing there and calling hike. That's not going to help him because he, he's going to he's going to look at the defense and do what he did last week. And the, and, the, and the Niners they have a very good pass rush. I think their defense is is uh, is underrated by, by a lot of people. I agree. But um, but at the same time, it's not great, but it's good. Right. Exactly. And and the Bengals would be a great opportunity because the Bengals are not a defense that 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 scare that scare me on tape. Now, if the Ravens get healthy again. That could be a challenge. The Chargers, they got some people that that, that you got to worry about. Um, but you know, this would be a great opportunity to come in, and he gets an extra day. It's Monday Night Football. This gives them the chance. Hey, Mason, we're working these into your game, even if it's not in pads and during the walkthroughs. We're using this. We're we're moving these guys over here. We're calling this formation, but really we're switching to this formation. That's another thing. Setting up audibles and and, and purposeful audibles. We say we're coming out in bunch. Okay, now we're going. You know, we're 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 going into a different a different look after that. And we're then, gonna come out like this. But if they show this, this is our plan. We're switching B. right into it. Yeah. And sometimes it's even like it's like uh, you know unless this is wide open, we're, we are we are planning automatically to get into this this other formation. Right. Those are the things you can give him as a tool to say. Let me unlock what the defense is actually doing here. I like it. I like it. I, I think, too, I got one more for you. What's up? What's up? I And you kind of alluded to this when you were, when you were talking about the first drive with Deontay Johnson and the missed opportunity there. I think if only even for the sake of keeping the defense honest, they just got to throw the ball downfield a little bit, and particularly early. Yeah. Uh, I agree. It, and, even, and, 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 and tell them to sling it because I, that was the thing. They had options for him to go to the end zone on those early plays. Right. But he just didn't take them. That's uh, that I think is a little different than than scripting it. But I agree. At, at some point, I think that needs to be talked into him. It's like, look, man, when you get a one on one and it's a it's a jump ball, we trust Juju, we trust James Washington, we trust De- 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 uh, Deontay Johnson. Just just throw it up to him if it's one way. If it's double coverage, yeah, get, get, look, look, but but find somewhere yeah. else. We're going to give you multiple options. That's what they have to 
pump that confidence into him. And I think Mason has that confidence, but I think he was trying. To, I think he was trying to be a smart quarterback a sure. little too much, especially when early. And you and I touched on this a little bit, yep. but, but when your defense is playing so well early. The the natural tendency is like, all right, hey, let's just you know let's manage this here. Like, right. like look at right. how look at what our defense is doing. Yep. We don't need to go out and throw up you know thirty some points to win this game. Exactly. Like, let's just manage it. And and you can get guilty of that kind of you know paralysis by analysis that we were we paralysis were, by analysis. You know, like that, huh? But yeah, I just I think like you said, you get that single coverage, whether it's Juju, whether it's James Washington, whether it's Deontay Johnson. I would like to see them go downfield. Three times in the first half mm-hmm. on Monday night against the Bengals, at least, and said, three times in the first quarter. Okay, for, yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah, there yeah, you I'm, go. I'm, I'm, I'm all for. I'm, I'm not. I'm not looking for back, for conservative. Back the here. secondary off. Back yeah. the linebackers yep. up a little bit. Just make them think that it's something you're willing to do a yep. week after you only completed two passes past the line of scrimmage, and exactly. both of those went for touchdowns. Exactly. And, and that's the thing is that when you even if you don't hit it, right? If they see Juju streaking out, oh man, we we cannot let him get loose because we saw what he did last week and we've seen him do what he's gonna do before. That's what that'll make them honor. Especially if you if you hit on one or two of those, then those especially if they're play action, those linebackers they'll be oh where where, where, where are we going right. here? Yeah, that's how that's how you get you know. And the Bengals are not a disciplined defense. They're not a defense that you don't that, say. That, that, yeah, you don't say that. But that's that's the thing. You, you get this group confused. This will be a great opportunity for a confidence builder for Mason Ruff if he can get it done. If they come out here and they're conservative and you give these Bengals confidence because they're tackling the screens and they're and you're running right into the teeth of their defense. All you're going to do is is build their confidence that then when you do target downfield, they're like, oh, well, we can stop anything now. Take away that confidence. Strike deep. Make make them make them scared. Even if you don't hit right away, you got them. You got to show them that okay, we got to think about both the deep and the short game. I think so too. And and you know what? When I was thinking about this this morning, another wrinkle too. You go downfield three times in the first quarter, yeah. right? Say that that say that's the number. Yep. Three passes of you know. At least twenty to thirty air yards underneath right. the ball. You got a pretty good chance of one of those one being of those called connected. for pass interference. And that's true. Well, yeah, that's I'm not true. even in talking. Today's, about that. I'm in today's just in NFL. today's NFL. You've got a pretty good chance. You throw the ball downfield in single coverage three times. Yeah, you've got a decent chance that one of those is going to be a pass interference call. Or even if there's something there that's would in the past have been missed by the refs, well, now you can throw a flag. Right. No, that's <laughs> and that's well a challenge flag. Yeah, well, I should say. Yeah, yeah, that's Mike Tomlin, man, and and. and it's it's real funny though. People people get on get on Mike Tomlin and say he never was good at challenging. He used to be just as good as anyone else, if not better than than most coaches. Until Al Riveron was the guy that started making the calls, and that's been Mike Tomlin's bane in the challenge game. And with the pass interference rules, who knows what that actually is going to lead to, West? Because I mean, the, the Terrell Edmonds call, you know, you'll back it against the Seahawks. That I, you know, you have to wonder if that was on the flip side, would the Steelers have received that benefit of doubt? I'm not saying the league's out to get them, but it just seems like there's been several times where there's been a questionable call sent to Al Riveron, and it involves the Steelers. And whether or not the Steelers challenged it or not, it just happens to go against them. Um, so I, that's, uh, I think that's certainly something to consider right now. Is definitely even getting past interference because they got one. I think it was against uh, you know, James Washington on Correct. a target had a pa- had a, got drew up a pass interference call. And if you get those, those are easy. Those are easy yards, and and the the quarterback can say, "All right, we're get, we're getting them scared." And then if the, if you get that a couple times, now the defense is talking like, "Okay, guys, we got to stop giving them free yards." Then they're thinking, and the more I always say this, the more you make them think, the more they got to communicate, and the better chance they have of making a mistake when you're just doing your thing. That's and that's the key. Put the pressure on them to make the mistake and. Eventually, especially the bad teams, they will. Yeah, uh, it's certainly you know it's 
it's a lot to get into. There, there's a bunch more that I want to talk with you about here in this regard, kind of uh, the conservative nature that we kind of touched on a little bit yesterday, you know, yeah. when we were beginning. Um, we'll get back into that a little bit more in detail. And you mentioned there, too, about Juju in the slot. And that, that that's a, a total can of worms there that I want to get into mm-hmm. you with it because I totally agree with you. I just think there's some other things let's say that have to fall into line into place first right, right, let, right let, let's, let, let's say that's the case so I want to talk about that more when we come back we'll stick with the offense uh, putting Mason in the best position to succeed supporting Mason and uh, and maybe we could see a wrinkle of, of Juju in the slot we'll get into all that when we return we'll take your questions as well on Twitter at Carter Critiques at Wesley Euler. you are listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR this is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Wesley Euler, Chris Carter in with you here on a Tuesday and. According to the Twitter.com, I don't know, we might have had some technical issues there. So if some of you missed the first part of our segment there, we do apologize. But it seems now like they got us loud and clear, according to the Twitter.com. So so I was just going to say, we're sorry. <laughs> Look at me. I mean, this is what, the third show we've ever done together? We've got the synergy going on already. <laughs> oh, man. Tweet the show, at Carter Critiques, at Wesley Euler. A whole bunch, and see, this is why I, I, I love doing these shows, you know, with you, with Moats, guys that just, I mean, let's be honest here, you got a little, a little more adept at the X's and O's of football <laughs> than I am. Not to say that I'm some, you know, JV scrub out here, but but, but you guys are just, uh, you, you go in depth into certain topics where I feel that I don't have as much gravitas, where, you know, where my chops maybe aren't as strong. Um, one of the things that I, I told you I wanted to get into there when we uh, came back here that you mentioned was playing Juju Smith-Schuster oh, yeah. in the slot. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a off-season discussion point uh, for all of us. Yeah. Because he was such a huge threat in the slot, right? Right, right. And because I think, too, we just... <clears throat> there was a lot of conversation about that's kind of become... I don't even want to say like a like a you know a, a a hip thing in the NFL like that is it's becoming a trend in the NFL where you're seeing a lot of teams starting to put their best receivers right yep. in the slot as much as possible to get better matchups to let them operate in the middle of the field a lot of times with more space and we thought that that was something we'd see them try and do with Juju now I think it's fair to point out, for that to happen, right, you have to have two other wide receivers who can play on the outside that you're right. comfortable in. And I think, you know, when we were in OTAs and minicamp and training camp and when in those type of moments and times where you are you tend to quite often be looking at the glass half full, right. we thought, okay, hey, James Washington, uh, we saw him do it in training camp in preseason last year. We're seeing him do it again now. We hope that that continues into the regular season. You bring in Dante Moncrief, a guy who caught 13 touchdown passes from Andrew Luck in two seasons. You think, all right, this guy's going to be absolutely a viable number two, number three, who can play on the outside. You move Juju into the slot. That was a conversation, a discussion that many people had many different times this offseason. 
for months. And and hey, that's what we do during the offseason, right? We still got airtime to fill. We still got column inches to fill. Is there, is there a direct correlation to not seeing Juju deployed in that way with some of the struggles of Moncrief and with, you know, James Washington still trying to kind of get going? Is it that simple that, hey, you need Moncrief to emerge, you need some other guys to emerge before you can move Juju in the slot? Or are there maybe some other some other options, some other ways to work it? And either he's going to be open or, or in single coverage and you take the shot, or they take a safety back, and that opens up more space for the slot to succeed underneath. And that's where you want Juju to kick people. You know, just 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 be like, hey, get off me. I'm going I'm going to make this happen. Kind of like how he did on that touchdown. Um, and <laughs> right. that and that's what you need to just that's a, that's what you need that's what you need across the board. Now James Washington, I think they were expecting to develop into that, and he still might. Um, he played more snaps than Deontay Johnson yesterday or two days ago. Uh, so. That you know the whole Deontay Johnson is the starter thing. I think that's just another one of those name only situations. You know, kind of mm-hmm. like how you right. know uh, uh, Vince Williams was named the starter for week right. one, but you know then uh, but then you know he got the least amount of snaps between Barron and Bush. Now moving forward, that might be interesting because we'll be getting to Mark Barron, but that's another story. Let's, but if we're talking about Juju in the slot. He can still succeed outside the numbers. He's still very good outside the numbers. But that, that's like that's where Heinz Ward made his money. Mm-hmm. You put Heinz Ward in the slot, you, he was bullying people, he was cutting on people, and Heinz Ward was a technician with his footwork. He would he would he would set you up and rip you off, fake to the outside, go to the inside, and now he's wide open for Ben Roethlisberger or Cordell Stewart or whoever he had at quarterback in, in his career. <laughs> but um, Antoine Randall L. Antoine Randall L. You How know, about that, that? That was that was uh, and shout out they got in the top hundred plays with that with that, with uh, that their touchdown in Super Bowl forty. I thought that was cool. Okay. Quick Quick digression there. Yeah, the top one because was it just yesterday that it was finalized, right? No, I think it was. I think it was like last Friday or okay. so, okay. something like that. There's like three Steeler plays in the top ten. Yep, the immaculate reception obviously was number one. Had to be uh, the James Harrison mm-hmm. hundred yard return was That's in the top seven. San Antonio Holmes number six. And was there one more? That, no, that was that or was the it, Heinz yeah. Ward one. The the Antoine Randall to Heinz Ward was yeah, that that was like in the in like the like the eighties. I want to okay, say. Okay, so they had three top plays in the, t- in, in, the, the in the top ten in the top seven. The, yeah, right? in the top seven. So they had one, six, and seven. Yeah, and and to be honest, I, I felt like they pushed down the other two because of that. Because of it, and it's it's kind of like the whole you can't put another member of the Steelers from the seventies in the Hall of Fame. I think is one of the dumbest takes in the history of takes because oh you mean Donnie Shell who has like what 51 interceptions in his career and broke Earl Campbell's ribs and is a four time Super Bowl champion somehow that guy shouldn't make it into the Hall of Fame he's just a loser that never come on man that ooh, don't get me started don't get me started on, on, on that debate I just got myself started so I gotta, I gotta calm down <laughs> but all that being said, I always thought the reason I thought the reason for those was that you know they put Malcolm Butler's interception in the Super Bowl above that, and I was just kind of like, how do it, you put? It was clear that they put end game dramatic Super right like, like dramatic ending to a Super Bowl. They put high priority on that. But then why isn't San Antonio Holmes above that? Because here's the thing: yeah, they had a couple plays huh. after that game, but that put the game away. That was it. Right. And then why did David Tyree's catch get get up so high? Because if they had to, it was Paxo Burris, hey, he had to score a touchdown and afterwards. And Patriots still had and they, and they still had a chance to go down and score. Left, right? right? To go down and so, score. So why isn't San Antonio Holmes above the David Tyree catch huh. when I mean he caught that ball over triple coverage and bent through one of the, the most amazing paths I think he's ever thrown in his life. I, how does so that, I, that's why I think it was more so hey, we got to balance this out so the Steelers aren't just the top 3 because then people are going to get mad at us. Um, you know, the catch is the catch. It's it's I I always, I always think the catch is a little overrated, but um, but uh, the immaculate reception, it's there because of its lore. Oh you know, no doubt. And, there was, and, when they announced they were doing this, 
you know, the top 100 thing yep. and that one of them was going to be top 100. You know, there'll be top yeah. 100, all kinds of other things that come out. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there was no doubt in my mind that Immaculate Reception was going to be number one. Yeah, it just had to be. And I mean, and they, when they did a commercial during, you know, during the Super Bowl right. with, with him catching the ball, right. you know, that's just... Yeah. And it's two of the most iconic franchises in the Steelers and, and the Raiders. Oh, yeah. Yep. I mean, the only way that that matchup could have gotten more iconic was if it was the Steelers and the Cowboys. Cowboys. I mean, <laughs> and, and Lynn Swan's two catches got in in the twenties, I believe, in that list. Yes. And, uh, in, the, in Super Bowl ten, I think John Star Wars over the shoulder against the Rams that made in like the seventies or so. Um, so they had they still had many more plays out there. Um, and I think I I didn't see I, I and I didn't like extensively look through this. I didn't see Polamalu pop up anywhere, which I thought was bizarre. I thought his interception against the Chargers, the one handed dive. Uh, they, they, they put that somewhere. Scoop. I, I, no, I don't think they did, wow. but I thought it would have been. Wow. If they did, it must it must have been back in like the 70s and 80s. Um, so number one, the Immaculate Reception. Number two was the catch. Yep. Joe Montana to Dwight Clark. Were you surprised that that was so high? I, I just, get that that's an iconic it's, moment. It's like it's, it's like the Immaculate Reception in history because it's what broke the Niners franchise But it's open. a nice catch. It's a ni- exactly. <laughs> and he, it, it's kind of like how people describe Rocky Blyer's Super Bowl thirteen touchdown catch. It's like... Did you really jump up that high? Was it really that hard? You know, it's iconic for its moment, and it's amazing. But, I mean, honestly, San Antonio Holmes is better than the catch. I mean, it's in the Super Bowl, and it was to, it's to win the game. And it was the it was the tippiest of tiptoe catches in the corner of the end zone. And in the most miraculous of moments, um, I, I just I, – but I understand it. I respect it because it's the NFL, and they're doing their, their – their, they're paying tribute to – they're doing – and, again, it's the top 100. It's about history because when you look at the NFL network and how – they do a lot of things they you know when they do their top 10 list and i love their top 10 shows they're like just hour-long talk of you know just rant this random topic who are the top 10 in this in this topic um when they do those shows, I I always like them, but then they'll I think sometimes they pay a little too much credence to recent things. Oh and, no and doubt, they just the helmet catch in. being number three is way too high. Yeah, I just the and it's a Tyree great catch. play. It's a top ten play for me. It, it, it's it's iconic and it's historic and it was a huge part of beating the Patriots when they were eighteen and zero, but. You got a bunch of other like, things. for example, uh, the the tackle, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, uh, and the the end of the Rams St. Louis Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, to end that, to preserve that title for St. Louis at the goal line, that was number eleven. That to me is a little much. It was. Uh, so you think so? See, I'd say that's more. That that's bigger than the Tyree helmet catch. See, I don't, I wouldn't put it bigger than the Tyree helmet catch. Okay. Be, because yeah, it was the number last four play. Was of the, the game. Music City Miracle, which was of course the, which, the prelude to yeah. the the tackle. Yeah, and, and and the Music City Miracle. I watched that live as a kid, and I was like, that's top ten. Oh my god, like Malcolm, that was Malcolm Butler's interception number five. Again, I think that's top fifteen twenty. Right. I would have probably had it back a little bit Julian farther. Edelman's like juggle catch against the Falcons was I think in the top ten, and I, I always felt like that. That's not my top. It deserves a, 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 a nice a, a yeah. mention, but it's it's kind of like the what? Julio catch that happened on the drive before that. That was, was even that was better. That would be top twenty yeah. if the Falcons would have held on to win that Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, James. So then you got Steelers at six and seven. San Antonio Holmes game winning catch six. James Harrison's own. Uh, immaculate interception, if yeah. you will. Yeah. Number seven. Number eight was Bart Starr's game-winning quarterback sneak in the ice bowl. That, just another just iconic, iconic moment. Gotta, yeah, I include that. Did you ever see the story about the guy that stole uh, Vince Lombardi's hat after that play? No. Like some some Packers fan, and like ESPN <laughs> did a special on this last year. He like he like he snuck onto the field during the game, and then because they didn't have like 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 security back then, and it was freezing cold, and he's had a jacket on. And they said as Vince Lombardi's taking field, like he runs up behind him, takes his hat, and like there's there's like you could see a clip of Vince Lombardi chasing him down, and, like. 
punching the guy. It was it's hilarious. I'll have to check but that the ice bowl is legendary. You gotta and again when you're doing the top one hundred, you gotta include games like that. No doubt, no doubt. And and number nine, this one surprised me. The Minnesota Miracle. The uh, you know the oh um, the, the Stephon Diggs, Diggs yeah. at, the, at the buzzer against the Saints and again though that's why it's clear that they put an emphasis on this kind of like last walk, second walk last off type walk off type yeah. because was the was I don't know at, at number thirteen right mm-hmm. was the Marshawn Lynch Beastquake run yeah is, is that, that plays way more impressive yeah, than that's, the, that's, the that's, Minnesota that's, Miracle was a defensive faux pas by the right. Saints it, 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 it was the guy I mean <laughs> people were were doing the make, make, putting the guy to the shoulder lean dance I mean like that was just that I felt real bad for that safety that missed the font the missed the font digs but absolutely I mean Beastquake one and two were right. better than that Derrick right. Henry's run was better than that from, right. from last year against the Jack Jaguars I mean come on uh, get off me child's so play many, that's like, just that's just too iconic. everything in the top ten and I and this makes sense everything in the top 10 is either a Super Bowl or a playoff game. You know what which really should have been in there? And this isn't a Steelers play, but this should have been there when Greg Jennings scored on the 99-yard touchdown with a with broke a leg. leg. That needed to be in there. You know what, honestly, I thought was my kind of wild card dark horse, if you will, to break into the top 10? Was uh, Devin Hester's opening kickoff return? Oh yeah, in Super Bowl, what would that have been? 40, 40, 41? 42? 42? Forty one, forty two, no forty one. Because forty two was the Giants and the Patriots. Correct. Then forty three was, was Antonio yeah. and, and the Steelers. Yeah, so that was forty one. Philly special at number ten. That's fair. That's, uh, that's fair. That's fair, and that's another one too because that happened at the end of the second quarter. Right. If that happens at the end of the fourth get, quarter, pff, number one, they would. They, I don't they know would, about number one. They, 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 they would have thrown five. it up. Yeah, top would've five. Been right uh, there with the helmet catch, yeah. I'm sure, and all that. And hey, is it the Philly special or is it the Pitt special anymore? I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> All I'm saying is H2P. <laughs> <laughs> but getting back to where we started with all of this. I don't even remember where we started with all this, Chris. We, that was a fun digression there, though, talking about the NFL 100. That's fun. That, it's gonna be, it'll be fun to, to, um, to watch that play out, you know, like as it, as it rolls along here. Um, but getting back to where we started the the topic and wide receivers and Dante Moncrief and Juju in the slot and Deontay Johnson, do you think? And again, I, this might be putting you on the spot a little bit. I, I'm sure we'll probably know more about this tomorrow after Coach Tomlin's press conference. Uh, do you think that there is still a game plan for Moncrief? Do you think we could see that this week? Is it maybe more so of that injury? They're giving him benefit of the doubt and they wanted to give him a week to rest and get right. Or do you think that they've kind of kicked that can down the field and it's no, if, it's if, Deontay and James now? If they kicked that can down the field, he'd be gone right now. Uh, and, and they would have gone out and just gotten somebody else. Like They, they would have promoted Tevin Jones or something. I, I think they're they're saying, look, we know your hands are hurt and we know that everything's you know a little weird. Let's give him some time off. Let's see if he can get it back. You know, This isn't Sammy Coates they're talking about. This is a guy who has, who has established himself as a deep threat in the NFL and made some big plays in his career. I think that this is, uh, this is them buying him some time. I don't think it'll happen this week. They might wait till after the bye week because hand, you know, a finger could could come back. Like, you know, that that's something that you want to solidify. But if he feels confident in practice, then they might say, you know what? Like if he makes if he's making and that's the thing. I haven't been at practice. If they're if he's if he's catching the ball in practice and dropping in games, then you know it's a head case thing. Then you know it's just like, man, this guy's shook. Uh, but if he's out if he's out Which the, he wasn't at any point during yeah. training camp right. after and, his, and after OTAs his injury. and yeah. Right. And then and that's uh, yeah, after his injury, you we, we you know, you haven't seen him out there as much. But before camp, you know, he was he was fine. He looked he looked good. And that's why that's why they were calling him grief. That's why Ben was hyping him up and and I, and I think that's still part of the play is to get him back so that again, Mason can just step back 
Um, while they're, if they're doubling Juju and if fans comes back and they're doubling him or they're concerned about the run game, you just say, hey, Dante, all you're doing is just running straight, beat this guy off the ball, and uh, he's going to float it to you. And, and I think if, if that's all – and if, you, if he gets four of those this season, that's a win. We, we talked about go, downfield shots, right? Yeah. If you go back and watch Moncrief's highlights when he was with the Colts, he caught a lot of 20, 30, 40-yard touchdown passes from Andrew Luck. Yeah. Like, he, he has scored some touchdowns with downfield shots, if you will. And, yeah, I, I think certainly getting him back healthy, right? I mm-hmm. think that's the key because there's uh, – who really knows what's going on with that thumb and that hand? Yeah, well, I never mean, know. people really know, but well, they're, all, but they're we, all inside the friendly exactly. confines of the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex. Right. exactly. Uh, I, I hope, right, if – again – I'm, I'm Monday, I'm pessimistic, West. Tuesday, I'm optimistic, West. Right. Uh, I'm hoping that the week off, give him some time to heal up um, physically and mentally. Mm-hmm. Let him just kind of reset and hopefully clean slate with Mason. Yeah. And, and again, we'll see it, something going forward. It'll, it, and I mean, I mean, though, like, because he had the one pass, Mason threw it to him on the money that led to the interception. Correct. Against so I guess it's not a complete clean slate, but you, you kind of no, no, get but, what I'm saying. But, but, you're, yeah. but no, but that's, I'm, I'm agreeing with you is that after that, Mason might, and instead of he's a young guy, he might be thinking, like, maybe I shouldn't throw I it to I can't that trust guy. this guy. Yeah. It's like, because, you know, like, you made a crucial mistake, man. You threw it to his hands. That's where the problem was. As, yeah, just being sarcastic. But, <laughs> but, uh, but with that is. You got you, you got to give him a shot to get back out there because ultimately he's still a better option than Switzer if if his hands can get healthy um, and, and and I mean it's to the point where you know you have to consider you know those those three of your top guys right now if you can get Moncrief back in the situation great you know maybe some Johnny Holton I, he, he looks like the next Darius Hayward Bay for this team just keep him around at the bottom of the wide receiver depth chart give him some reverses you know run him deep as a, as a, as a gunner and uh, and and have him and, and maybe eventually get him on the return game i you know i know he's he's very unsure handed if that's the, if that's even a term um, <laughs> unsure handed I, I, I like that though yeah, it's, i'm it's, picking up what you're putting down i mean cuz Dale and i were talking about this during training camp is that he had a high fumble rate coming into this and Holton's been around for a bit and I understand why they why they wanted to protect him with with the whole uh with the move to pick him up and, and get rid of Tuzar Skipper but again I, I just feel like with his speed he's more dangerous than Ryan Switzer back there especially even I if he, he, you give him the uh, Ryan Switzer's there because he, he doesn't fumble even though uh they, they, had, they had to pull him I think it was against the Seahawks because he, he did he did mess up a, a punt return there um but I just I, I think that you got some options there, and Moncrief still needs to be worked into it. Now, I think if 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 you give him this break and he comes back and he's still dropping passes, yeah, you, you got you got to just call it a season and say, you know, we need we need to go find somebody else. It'll be that'll certainly be one of the uh, the interesting developments to keep an eye on here as we roll along amongst a whole laundry list of interesting developments. Mr. Carter will continue the discussion when we return. Chime in on Twitter at Wesley Euler at Carter Critiques. Francis chimed in here and said, you know, Steeler Nation missed uh, some of the first 15 minutes of the show. By law of internet and radio, we require a two-hour encore today. Oh, no, Wes. It's the, it's the internet and radio police. We're in trouble. <laughs> uh, I tell you what, Francis. I, I can't do that for you, unfortunately. But what we will do here, since we're not usually on on Tuesday, since this is usually Coach Tomlin press conference time. True. Let's make it a little Twitter Tuesday. Twitter Tuesday. Because we did say it's comforting to know. I mean, we got seven or eight tweets from people about some of these technical difficulties yeah, yeah, yeah. we were, we're having. We're, we're sorry about so that. So it's nice to know that you people are out there listening, all right? And if we're having technical difficulties, you'll let us know. But now we want to know 
what you got on your mind. Let's have a little Twitter Tuesday here. Let's open it up, see if we can get some reaction from all of you out there in Steelers Nation Radio. Any questions you got about the team, the offense, the defense, anything, find us on Twitter, at Carter Critiques, at Wesley Euler. We'll see if we can get a, a little t- Twitter Tuesday going here. We can't give you a two-hour encore, but we can... Uh, Maybe let you get a little bit more involved with the show. We'll continue the discussion here when we return. Chris Carter, Wesley Euler, inside the Electric Factory. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. With Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Chris Carter, Wesley Euler with you here on a Tuesday. Coach Tomlin's press conference has been moved to tomorrow at noon. So we will have that for you, of course, as we always do on your 24-7 home of the black and gold right here on SNR. But you got Chris Carter and I for about the uh, next hour and 15 minutes or so here. Mr. Mr. Christopher, Mr. CC, C squares to works too. Mr. Hall of Fame wide receiver. Yeah, I do all I do is catch touchdowns. I also write the X Files. I also played first baseman for the Yankees and hit over <laughs> forty home runs. Just just shouting down. And I was drafted by the Steelers back in the fifth round when I coming out of Fresno State back in two thousand eleven. I played a little bit outside linebacker. You know, I'm, I'm not within the NFL anymore. But you know, it is what it is. But I, that's the thing. I had two stints in the NFL. Chris Carter. I just love my name. You know, I'm going to have to now, every time I do a show with you going forward, this is going to become a new thing, right? Where I'm going to have to find a different Chris Carter. Carter (laughs) Because it looks like there's two professional baseball players, Chris Carter. Oh, yeah, there's been been a few. Okay, there's there's more than one Chris Carter that's played in the NFL, too. Mm -hmm. There's an outside linebacker for the Cardinals, Chris Carter. Uh, You talked about the television producer of the Mm X-Files, Chris Carter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then there's the most famous, me. You, <laughs> I mean, obviously, there's no doubt about I, that one. I, I did a, I did a, a um, I took a bunch of kids. Uh, I was, so I'm on the board of directors for the Community Empowerment Association. We set up so the kids, uh, and shout out to the to the Steelers uh, community, uh, the Steelers Community Outreach Department, and uh, and uh, Blair Davis, uh, Blair Holmes Davis. She really helped these kids have a great time. We took about eight or ten kids out there. Um, and, uh, and they had a blast at the Steelers training camp this summer. They were they got to interact with some of the players. It was it was really cool. But the funniest thing was when I when I walked in and met some of these kids for the first time. They said, "All right, every all right, class. Here, this is Chris Carter, and he writes for the Steelers." They're like, "Wait a minute, you're the guy on 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 first up." I'm like, "No, no, no, no. I don't look that old. No, I don't, that's not me." I got one for you. All right, and we're gonna start it right here. All right, so let's see if you know this, Chris Carter. All right, Chris Paul Carter, born September second, nineteen fifty nine, an American disc jockey, famous for starting and coining Breakfast with the Beatles, America's longest-running Beatles-based radio show, which can now be heard on Sirius Satellite Radio every Sunday holy. from 9 a.m. to noon Pacific time. Oh, holy snap, I never knew that, Wes. Just, yeah. I'm going to add to my list. I'm, I'm just, just going to create an extra list. Wes, I've you heard keep... that before, Breakfast with the Beatles. That's like that, a it national is, show. It is. I didn't know that, the, uh, that I started that. You I'm just started I'm just amazing. In Los Angeles in the <laughs> 1960s. Write it down. Woo. Write it down. That's what I'm going to do now. Every time you and I do a show together, I'm going to have to find you a new Chris a Carter. New Chris Carter. <laughs> Shout out to my source, Google, <laughs> for that one. <laughs> Chris Carter, Wesley Euler with you here. Steelers Blitz on SNR. Uh, asking you shall receive, Mr. Carter. We yep. said, uh, you know, we, we had, we think, some technical difficulties there in the first segment. We're back loud and clear now. Uh, we had a bunch of people who tweeted us about our technical difficulties, so we said, you know what? We know you're all listening. Get your questions in. Let's do a little Twitter Tuesday yeah. here. Yeah. And the people have responded. 
Uh, so we got a, a bunch of different questions about a bunch of different topics, but let's stay with the offense and Mason Rudolph to start, right? Because that's what mm-hmm. we were talking about in the first two segments. Mm-hmm. What about Mason? What about letting Mason? This comes from Ted Mez. What about letting Mason open up and see what he's got instead of what it looks like holding him back? Let's see what this kid's got. Uh, we got a- another similar question from Steel Nation 19 who says, if the standard is the standard, how are you not throwing passes past the line of scrimmage? Uh, I think these are fair questions and fair concerns. Right, absolutely. I think it is important to point out, too, that what you saw from Mason Rudolph Sunday in his first NFL start will not be what you see from Mason Rudolph in week yeah. in week 13. Yeah. Uh, but, Mr. Carter, what about letting Mason open it up? Uh, do you think we'll see that sooner rather than later? I think you're going to see it a little bit more. And, and I think the Steelers are probably coming out. They, I think, because, w- again, what happened was when I, I well, the first pass play of the game, I, and I, I, I said all yesterday, I said, like, I can't wait till the All-22 comes out so I can start seeing the field and what the, the Niners were actually doing and what if, if Steelers receivers are open. And just, they weren't always open, but they were open enough that he should have found a few of them. I, I think some of it has to be like, hey, man, like, you know, going back and like, all right, you see these things? You see what you missed? All right, you know, don't get down on yourself. All you got to do is just believe in yourself and, tr- and trust your eyes. When you're seeing those safeties move o- over and they give you those one-on-one, don't be afraid to sling it. And I think they gave him the opportunity to. He was reluctant because he thought his checkdowns were, were going to be better. I think this time around it's like, look, we're designing these plays to get you the one-on-ones. If the one-on-one is there, even if you think you might you might have a better option underneath, we need you to, to throw deep because – Normally, you want them to check down because they, they normally that's Ben Roethlisberger, and they're already scared of his deep ball. But right. no one's scared of your deep ball yet. You got to get people to fear it. And sometimes it takes those 50 50 balls, throwing them deep down the field. And often, again, like you said earlier, even if it's not caught, you got a good chance of pass interference, especially if it's a bigger receiver like James Washington, or like Juju Smith Schuster, or if Deontay Johnson beats someone so bad off the, 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 line, the line of scrimmage. I, I, I'm, with, I'm with you guys. Both of those questions are great questions. They got to get him to, to sling it, air it out a little bit early, especially early. Beat people over the top, and then you see those linebackers a little slow, and then you get James Conner a little bit more space to run. Lots of questions rolling in about James Conner. Jason yeah. says here, it's not necessarily a question, but a stat. Uh, James Conner is ranked 50th out of 50th, dead last on percentage, well, or de- or first, depending on how you look at it, mm-hmm. on percentage of first contact with defenders making a tackle. Right. So 89% of the time, the first player to contact James Conner is the player to bring him down. Yeah. Seems like he can't break a tackle. What's the deal there? Uh, I said this last year when people because at one point in the season he he led that last year he led the league in in, missed ta- in, in in broken tackles and and but I also said it's because of how teams didn't know how to didn't know how to, how to play him he was he was building up steam getting to that second level and that's where his missed tackles were happening most of Le'Veon Bell's missed tackles happened behind the line of scrimmage when he was with the Correct. Steelers he would make people miss and that's what was so amazing. Defenses would be all over over their over their run game, and he'd still get four he'd break or five somebody's yards. ankles and right. manage to turn it into a positive game, or he'd run you over, stiff arm you, all all those things. Yeah, James Conner can do that once he's got his head of steam and once he's built up. But that's why he's not leaving on Bell. He he's not doing that behind the line of scrimmage, and he's not going to do it consistently enough to make those things. And that's why you're seeing that that number why he's why he's not breaking tackles this year because everyone's hitting him behind the line of scrimmage because people are playing for the run. They're hoping that you run right into the teeth of the defense or throw a short pass. You gotta back him off and. This is why we're talking about Mason Rudolph. If if Feekner can get him to, to commit to some deep passes and connect on some, those linebackers might say, "Eh, maybe maybe I don't rush up in, into into a gap. Maybe I, my first step isn't right to the to the line of scrimmage. Maybe I'm a little hesitant." And that's where you see James Conner get back into his style of power running football. 
Freeman chimes in here about the Steelers having an aversion towards fast running backs, and Robert replies to that and says wide receivers too. Speed is an issue with this offense. I I think it's a hard question to answer, but I do think this. I I think in the way that we think of speed in general – isn't how the Steelers and a lot of other NFL teams and coaches and front offices and scouts view speed. And I think, Chris, that Juju is the perfect example of that. Because the reason that Juju went in the second round of the draft was because, oh, he's not fast. Mm -hmm. If Juju could have run a better 40 time, he would have probably been a first-round pick. He would have been top 10 probably. Right. So if that was the biggest critique out of Juju Smith-Schuster coming out of college— was that uh, he just doesn't have the breakaway speed. Mm. Well, really? Because I've seen him go for a 98-yard yep. touchdown against the Lions, and I've yep. seen him go for a 97-yard touchdown against the Broncos, and I see, saw him go for, what, a 77, 76-yard yeah, touchdown against the Niners. There is a difference between Underwear Olympics 40-yard dash speed. <laughs> underwear Olympics. You like that one? That was pretty funny. And 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 football speed. Right. And so I think Absolutely. at times it, 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 they can look, it can look like speed is an issue, but... I don't know. Jalen Samuels certainly doesn't lack speed. Uh, Lev Bell was a guy who was here for a long time right. that certainly didn't lack speed. And, and, and Bell didn't have home run speed, but he had point A to point B speed. He would right. beat you to the spot. But that's speed in the NFL nowadays. Exactly. Like the days of Chris Johnson speed yeah. are, are becoming less and less. Right. Now, I, I, to, to answer uh, Freeman's question, I, I do think there's the, the aversion isn't necessarily speed. I think when they've gotten these guys, they've wanted A, diverse talents, and B, guys that can protect Ben Roethlisberger. Because James Conner is a guy, after his first season, he got good at blocking in the backfield. And they and again, Ben loves the shotgun. He loves to have a sidecar. And when they drafted James Conner, they hoped he would be the number two behind Bell for the future. But Bell, and, you know, Bell was a supreme protector of Ben. If you put him back there, even if he wasn't going out for a route, he was a threat because I didn't care who you threw back there, he was going to put them on their back. Right. And Connor got good at that last season. Samuel wasn't good at that because he's never done it before. That's why they brought in uh, uh, Stephen Ridley, and he wasn't the best at that either. Uh, Salem Samuel. Yeah, I totally bl- forgot about Stephen Ridley. Yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of people did. Um, but um, Jalen Sam- but Jalen Samuels got better at that in training camp. I haven't seen him really get a chance to do that this year, but it's only game three. Um, and Benny Snell, I think a bigger back, a guy that can that can win those battles. I think that that's what they're. I think that's what they're going for because personally, you know, and nothing against Mr. Snell football. Um, yeah, <laughs> but I, I was Mr. Snell. I was sitting in the draft thinking, reunite the ultimate trio of Oklahoma State with Justice Hill, and then because then you'd have Rudolph, Washington, and Hill. That's a three-headed monster, and Hill is fast. I, I think eventually, Mark, Mark Ingram right now is the guy for for Baltimore. But I think Justice Hill could emerge kind of the way Willie Parker did he's for a good them. Player, he's a he's a fast guy. And put Big him, Twelve running backs last year, Mister Carter, yeah. David Montgomery too was a yeah, guy yeah, that I really like. He was he was, a, he was he was another guy. But Justice Hill's like pure speed in space was just so dangerous. And again, you put him next to Lamar Jackson. Oh my goodness, Whew. that backfield is dangerous. But so I but I think again when you look at those guys, you got Justice Hill. Might not be the best protector for Ben Roethlisberger because coming into the season, that's what you were picking these guys to do. So that that's just where I think Freeman. I I don't think it's it's about speed. It's more about we want this diverse talent and we need them to be able to block. We've got more questions about the offense. We've got a ton of questions about the defense. And my guy Chris Carter, as he always does, he came prepared today. He wants to talk specifically about Mark Barron and that defense. We'll get into all that in the second hour. 
It's not a Tomlin Tuesday today. We got pushed back, you know, press conference pushed back a day till tomorrow. So in lieu of Tomlin Tuesday, we have thrown out Twitter Tuesday, and you guys are taking advantage. We'll get into more of your questions here when we return. If you're just joining us, if you want to chime in, if you didn't catch our Twitter handles maybe here in the past couple minutes, at Wesley Euler, at Carter Critiques. We will continue to get into some of your questions and talk about the defense in Mark Barron when we return right here on Steelers Blitz on SNR. Euler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Hour number two inside the Electric Factory here on Steelers Nation Radio on a Tuesday. Chris Carter in for Arthur Motes, having some fun, opening up the Twitter lines in lieu of a Tomlin Tuesday. It's now a Twitter Tuesday. Get your questions in at Wesley Euler, at Carter Critiques. Uh, we finished the last segment there talking about the running backs and, and James Conner and speed and, and a couple different things here. Chris chimes in, why not put Benny Snell... And James Conner in the backfield and pound the ball. Snell has a big body and can move people. Maybe also would give James an extra second to get up ahead of steam. So using Snell as a fullback, that's a, that's an interesting thought. Um, you know, if he could if he could be the battering ram, you know, I, I like the idea. I think ideally that they want him to be used to being the halfback and and, and you know so that when Roosevelt Nix is back, they can use him because that's again that's the only reason they're not using Roosevelt Nix because he's hurt right now and. Um, I, you know, I, I think maybe there's some merit there. They could, they can try it out, but I think they got a lot of other things they got to work on on offense. So uh, I like the idea. I think the better situation is to line up Samuels and Connor in the same backfield hmm. and move them around, make them make them different receiving threats because uh, they, they can. They, they're both decent route runners. They're both you know very good with the ball as far as catching it out in space and making someone miss once you've gotten to that second level. Again, I just think that's how you maximize these guys. Get them out in space and let them let them get to work. Um, then that's when that outsmart can. But again, that has to come after the hitting the people deep so they can get the space to to make the make those kind of plays. Because if if they're just ch- you know checking down to those guys regularly and defenses are still on them, it's not going to do anything. But if teams are spreading out and they're they're running two deep safeties and they're and their linebackers aren't jumping all over, all over the underneath passes, then you get Jalen Samuels and James Conner. I, I think that's the, that's the solution. I, I also think the best situation is if Snell is your pinch hitter for Connor and, and for Samuels in the backfield because uh, I think if you if you try to do too much. Um, You'll kind of expend. I think. I think you'll. You don't want to expend both your guys because if both of them are tired, you need fresh legs later, late in the game. Right. Right. But a good question. I think that's very interesting. To try and find the Steelers love to find different ways to make everyone work. And when you got a backup quarterback in, you know, and you're kind of retooling your offense, uh, I think that's that's a good mindset to have. Certainly, yeah. uh, our good friend of the show here, David, our Photoshop superstar. Oh, he's the one. I'm sure you've probably seen some of the a lot of these photoshops yep. that we have out there. David is David's the one who's uh, sending a good majority of them. He chimes in with some optimism here. Okay, if the Steelers can get to three and three at the bye, right? So win three straight games here against the Bengals at home. 
The Ravens at home, and then out on the West Coast. Oh, no, out on the West Coast. (laughs) Against the Chargers, the L.A. Chargers, not the San Diego Chargers. If the Steelers can get to 3-3 at the bye, the rest of the schedule is in our favor, minus the Rams and Ravens again. Miami, Indy, Browns, Cincy again, Arizona. Then you got the Buffalo and the Jets are all winnable games. Let's make a run. This is something we kind of touched on, but I'm with David uh, to an extent, like I'm not totally doom and gloom because I think at worst there's at least six wins on this roster, and that's if I'm being glass half empty. I think two Bengals wins. I think a Dolphins win. Yep. I think you uh, beat the Cardinals. You beat the Jets. That's five right there alone. Then if you split with the Ravens and the Browns, let's just say you split. That's seven, and then the remaining games are Colts, Rams, and Bills. So you could get the seven wins, Colts, Rams, and Bills. Hey, you win two of those games, that's nine. All of a sudden, you'd probably feel good about your play. Even if you only win one of those, that's eight and eight. eight eight. That could still get you into a wild card this year in the AFC. Especially in the AFC North, you're not so so certain about how things are going to work out. The Colts are out of the equation. Well, they're not out of the equation. uh, Not Teddy Bridgewater. Jacoby Brissett is, is is doing well for them right now. Um, and their defense is playing hard. So they're not out of it, but they're not where everyone thought they'd be as far as world beaters. So um, I, I certainly think there's some opportunities there for the Steelers to make moves. This season is not completely lost yet. It's looking very bad. It, they got to turn it on soon. And I think the biggest thing, again, I said this I said this yesterday, they have to I- identify a strong point, a, a character trait that you could say, okay, that's going to— An identity. Gonna, exactly, an, an identity. Are we a power-running team? Are we a dink-and-dunk team? Are we a throw it deep and, and make big plays team? Are we a defensive team? Are we a blitzing team? Are we a team that's going to just create havoc with our turnovers? That's which what, hey, which to so this far, point, so, so far, far, so good. So far, you're getting those. They got more than they got half of the turnovers that they had last season <laughs> through three games. <laughs> through three games. That's and that's impressive. And if they can continue that kind of chaos, now granted, two of those were just kind of the Niners messing up. Sure. But I, I always put but it. They like don't this. ask how. They ask yes, how they many. Ask remember, Chris? Exactly. They <laughs> ask how many because how many times have the Steelers given away a turnover or or or, not, or you know things right. have happened that right. way that sometimes a team you, just, you fumble a snap. Yeah. I mean, s- silly stuff like that. It happens to everyone. And the thing is, when, when someone fumbles a snap and the quarterback's trying to fall on it and you beat them to the ball, that means you got off the ball quick and you were paying attention. Mm-hmm. Good on you. That's not bad. That's not saying, oh man, that doesn't count. It does count. Now, it doesn't mean that you were uh, you schematically out, out, outsmarted them, but it does mean, hey, they made a mistake and we took advantage because we were ready. I think that those those turnovers count. So if, if they become a turnover machine on defense, that can be part of the equation. And they, if they get better at coverage and, and keep bringing the heat, that can be part of the equation of that identity. Offensively, they need an identity, but those are the things you're looking for in these next few games, win or lose. And I mean, they have to win the Bengals game to stay to stay in this, but uh, or to get in this. But the w- win or lose, the thing is moving forward. Find identities on offense and defense that you can say, okay, we're planning around this for moving forward, and then we can fake people out because, like the Steelers of '05, when they went into Indianapolis, Indianapolis thought they were going to pound the run on them, and they hit them with play action and beat them over the top. Because then you you can play off of your strength by going to where people are going to the 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 part the parts of your game that people think are weak. But it all starts by showing, hey, we are good at this part of football. Speaking of, uh, you talked a little bit there uh, a minute ago about Jalen and some of the stuff you'd like to see the team do with him. Raymond asks, why don't we use Jalen more in the backfield? He's a much better threat out of shotgun. And that's something, too, we kind of touched on. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, you ask him, when he was in high school and when he was in college, he almost ran exclusively out of shotgun. Yeah. 
No, I, I do think he's an H back. He's a right. guy that he, he lines up all over the field. I, I do think that's it. That, I mean, I'm I'm still curious. Why in the world wasn't he out? What didn't he get a single target or carry in his last game? I don't know because he did play 12 plays, right? Yeah, at least. But and, and that's the thing. Maybe a little bit more. You know, they, they seem to be really big on Benny Snell. I, I don't get it. I, I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm a, I'm a little concerned about what's going on with the Jalen Samuels usage thing. Um, but I, I'm with you. Line him up in the sh- in the shotgun. And the thing is, when you you can line up him and Connor at sidecars and then motion one out, they become a slot receiver. Mm-hmm. And and bang, and now you got a linebacker out in space covering a quick a quicker running back. That's something you can take advantage of, and that's a matchup that Mason can say, "Okay, I like that." And if it's and if they double him, oh great, you double Jalen Samuels. Well, that means someone has got single coverage in Juju or Deontay or or James and or or Vance. That that's those are the smart type of plays you need you need to start dialing up and have to give this this young guy an opportunity to identify. I like it. I like it. The passion from Chris Carter, folks. What I do, man. It's what I do. I'm passionate all day, every day. 24-7, 365, 366 on the leap year. Is this a leap year? No, it's 2019. Next year's the leap year. There we go. That's a question. Yeah, so my birthday's February 28th. Okay. I, I Not so much anymore because, you know, when you get older, no one cares about your birthday. Right. But, like, when I was growing up and when I was a teenager and, you know, in your early 20s, I get that all the way. When's your birthday? February 28th. Oh, you're a leap year kid. I'm like, no. No, no I'm, know, I'm not. 29th is the leap year kid, though. Right. Yeah. I was also born in 91, and so if you do the math on that, I'm not a genius, but leap years are always on even years. Yeah, so how do people even fall for that? Shout out to my friend Sunana Rustagi. She is a February 29th kid. That is I a leap year I always wondered thing. what that would be like. Man, and that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, you're still like five years old, so nah, I'm not going to get you anything cool. At the same time, though, if she's only five years old... I mean, shouldn't have to pay taxes. Nope. I, I, I love I that life again. It was like, shoot, man, I'm still on my parents' health Go out health and commit a major crime and yeah. get charged as a five-year-old. Right, it's like, yeah, just, I'm just I'm, your honor, I am five years old, Corey. I've yeah, only I stole had, all that money, but I'm only five. Yeah, what are you going to do to yeah, me? You got to punish my parents. I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> and then just like every four years, you got to throw the biggest party ever, right? Yep. I, I would think Pretty so. Pretty much just, just to have the – it's like the Olympics because every year people are going to be like, well, I'm finally turning a year old after four years, y'all. So, man, that, that's crazy. On Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at Carter Critiques, uh, Gary chimes in here. What's up, Gary? Uh, and that I'm kind mad, of conversation of, of running backs, uh, power versus speed, that discussion that we've been hitting on here, the difference between running with the ball and without the ball as it relates to speed. Yeah. That's that's certainly part of the aspect because uh, uh, people remember Dre Archer. That guy was oh. lightning in a bottle. Oh. But you know when the ball was in his hands, I mean he, he was. And also, there's a difference between just straight line speed, right? And there's a difference between acceleration. Mm. Juju has acceleration. Yes, he, he does. He, he can go from zero to sixty much faster than some guys who hit that top speed. Like Usain Bolt is 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 the, is the you know known as the fastest man on the planet. But Usain Bolt couldn't necessarily have great football speed because his speed is when he's he got those long legs right. and straight went, ahead, right? Straight ahead, road runner speed. Because and, and even like even in some of his Olympics races, you could see guys are sticking with him at the start, but it's 
how he pulls away particularly in the 200 exactly right? when, oh, he had to, yeah. when he had to start oh, yeah. when he had to start moving mm-hmm. it was always and then when he got mm-hmm. to the straightaway it was that, like, see you later it was over because and you, you got this guy and now now you're seeing this the, the pace of his of his feet and his legs that that stride is just that's a word we need more in American culture pace yeah yeah well huh, tell me about it I, gotta, I love that word yeah it's it's it's, it's, it's a great word um, except in, for the Indiana Pacers they can, they can go straight to hell it, it, I, hate, <laughs> I hate that team I hate that team hey at the combine I went to one of their games oh you did on my birthday to bring this whole conversation uh, full circle. Well, you know, I, I take that back. I don't hate the Pacers anymore. I hated them as a kid because I was a Knicks fan. I hated oh, Reggie Miller. Just that, I, yeah. that was a r- great hate, rivalry yeah, in the nineties. It was 90s. a great rival. But hey, I, I saw I saw the best of it when they took him out and, uh, with Game Five and Larry Johnson hit that hit that and one three pointer. Uh, Reggie Miller, I hate your guts. If it makes you, <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, they got a really cool stadium there. The Bankers the Bankers Life Fieldhouse. Oh, cool. Yeah, it was it was fun. We got tickets for like seven bucks. Carl Anthony Towns scored forty four points yeah. for the Timberwolves. Yeah. Oh. I mean, yeah, that, that, that's pretty. Sad. And back when they had Paul George, they were excited. I think they still have o- Victor Oladipo. They do. Uh, he, he, he's, he, the, he's the toast of the town yeah, right now. I mean, he has to be. But I, I like Oladipo. He's a tough. He's a tough player. Um, we're talking about basketball. What are we doing? But with <laughs> with the the con- like in, speaking of Indianapolis and the combine yeah. and and to bring this discussion back around in that speed conversation, mm-hmm. DK Metcalf. I think is a perfect example of that. No, that's actually at the, great. At yeah. the combine, everyone was raving about how fast he is. Mm-hmm. You watch him run in a straight line, mm-hmm. and it's it's very Usain Bolt like long strides, big bodies. But he's he's to steal a line from your DK Pittsburgh sports colleague and mm-hmm. my SNR colleague Dale Lolly. He's kind of like trying to turn a battleship whenever he whenever yeah. he tries to, yeah. you know, he, he can't move at a ninety degree angle very well. It's, it's it's not it's not his specialty to to do that, and that's the thing that DK Metcalf and he's gotten better at that with, with, with his NFL play in camp. He, he looked rough, but some of, some of the things I've seen him do in the NFL have been strong. Um, you know, I mean, his touchdown to, to, to uh, over Terrell Edmonds, you know, that was a well covered play by Edmonds. DK Metcalf just ran the right route and and, and caught a and caught a good ball there. Um, you know, but you're absolutely right. There's a difference between his kind of speed and Juju's kind of speed. You know, and, and Heinz Ward was another guy. Heinz Ward wasn't blazingly fast, but if he got in the open space, he was dangerous, and he was gonna find a way to get to that end zone. Um, so the, yeah, there's a big difference between you know ball in my hands, I'm gonna make you miss type of speed. Um, and, and I mean Barry Sanders is a perfect how elusive he was, how quick he was, and how he could take and rip you off so fast. Um, and there's and then a difference between like you know. Uh, a guy, you know, I'm trying to think of another random speedster. Chris Johnson. Chris, jo- I mean, Chris yeah. Johnson. Chris Johnson, I mean, he used his speed, right? He had football speed and regular speed. Right. Oh, that, you know, he's he's the exception to the rule where, where it both plays out. But there's certainly a big difference because, again, when you're running, how confident are you running at your full speed when there's these huge 250-pound guys chasing you down and trying to kill you? Last one here as it relates to the offense. Tanner chimes in. Uh, our friend Adam Crowley made a great point. The Steelers, Jimmys, and Joes used to be better than the other team. Now they don't have those guys anymore, and the X's and O's need to be better. Tanner, don't tell Adam I said this. He stole that line from Matt Williamson. What? That's a Matt Williamson what? line, all right? Your Jimmys and Joes got to be better than their X's and O's, or your X's and O's got to be better than their did, Jimmys and Joes. Don't you credit Crowley Whoa, on that, second, Tanner. Wait a second. Didn't Matt Williamson steal that from Dale? So Maybe this, he did. This is a third-handed Everything. steal from Crowley. I will not stand for this, Crowley, man. You hear me, Adam? I know you're listening. You third-handed phrase-using <laughs> stealer. I can't stand you. Ugh. That Adam Crowley, he's a Pittsburgh stealer, I tell you. <laughs> uh, but he's right in the sense that this is this was, an, this was another offense, uh, uh, off-season theme is scheming offense 
Whereas uh, I'll tell you this story, and we're up against a break here, but we we can do this. We can do this. We can do this quickly. Uh, At the combine, I was at the combine with Dale Lolly and Matt Williamson this past year, and we were fortunate enough for about uh, ten minutes to to nab John Clayton and have a conversation with him while we were on air. Oh, good guy. And you know, one of that was obviously when all the Antonio Brown conversation was going on. Uh, the the height of the Antonio Brown conversation right. and then uh, ahead of his trade to Oakland. All right, so if you're thinking the Steelers aren't going to have AB next year, that Lev's definitely gone now. How do you go about? How that was the question, and Matt Williamson asked it to John Clayton. What's an optim? If you were going to be optimistic and say how the Steelers could still remain as one of the best offensive units in the league in the absence now of 84 and 26, mm-hmm. what would you say? And John Clayton said. You know, I feel like a little bit in the past, the Steelers have called plays too much as opposed to scheming offense. And he said, what I mean That's by fair. that is they've just, okay, let's, let's, let's work this to AB, let's work this to Lev, et cetera, et cetera. Let's work this to Juju. Right. Where they've, they've called plays as opposed to scheming offense. I thought that was a good way to put it. And I agree with Tanner. The scheme absolutely needs to be a bigger factor now. No, I agree 100%. Because, again, when you lose the best running back in football and the best receiver in football, you better find a way to outsmart some people because now you're gonna, you're downgrading in those situations and you got to find ways to, to, to get open guys. And I do think part of the problem, and, and we brought this up uh, we brought this up yesterday, Wes. When Juju got, scored his touchdown, he got the, he you know he 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 was he was like get me the ball you know the, you need to force the ball to him. But you're seeing the same struggles here as you did when they were 0 4 you know back in 2013. They weren't getting the ball to their playmakers when they started to. Then the offense clicked. I think there's a there, that's an identity shift. Is that that's how they worked for for five or six years when they were competitive and winning the division and being and being out there in the in the Super Bowl hunt. Uh, but they 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 do have to find a new way to work if Juju Smith Schuster and James Conner and all these other guys aren't going to be those superstars. I think it's possible, especially as you're figuring things out with Mason Rudolph. On Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at Carter Critique, still about eh, 35 minutes or so to get your questions in here. We're going to transition to defense. When we come back, a ton of questions about the defense on Twitter, questions about Minka, questions about the linebackers. And speaking of the linebackers, my guy Chris Carter has some information, some takes, some research on one Mark Barron. Let's talk some defense because this is Pittsburgh after all. Pittsburgh. Let's talk some defense when we return right here inside the Electric Factory. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Defense, defense, defense. That's what the people want to know about always, Mr. Carter. I mean, Indeed. come on. This it's, is Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. We don't we do not do that around here. You, you know who you're talking to? I want to hear about the defense and when they're going to turn back into the steel curtain. Well, uh, let's 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 not get ahead of ourselves with with the steel curtain. Uh, but let's talk about the defense and let's yes. talk about what's been going what's been going on. They're 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 ranked towards the bottom of the league in most categories. Um, you know, turnovers they're ranked up pretty high. But as far as you know, yards allowed and points allowed, it's been it's been a struggle. Now, granted, they faced Tom Brady and Russell Wilson and Jimmy Garoppolo had a decent game in the second half after they after the Steelers you know did shut him down in the first half. But we got to be honest with ourselves. Um, if the if the, a big part of what this team was team was going to have to do this year 
was have a better defense to carry them. Because, again, this was, this was the whole point was that right. by getting Mark Barron and Steven Nelson – you were saying, hey, our back, our number two linebacker situation, our, our the inside linebacker situation was rough last last year. I think so, the, I think that's putting it lightly. Yeah, exactly. So by getting by keeping Vince and by getting Mark Barron and, and, and Devin Bush, you're addressing the situation entirely. And then Stephen Nelson, you finally got a number two cornerback next to Joe Hayden, and Stephen Nelson looks legit. But um, you know, with the, as far as the linebackers, that's where you were hoping to see some improvement. And that's where the you're seeing a little bit of struggles, and that's where we're going to get into today, specifically Mark Barron. Now, granted, season's far from over. This could turn around. But Mark Barron's a guy that you needed to come in and you needed to have some success uh, you know, you know, as far as identifying what what offenses were doing, being the captain, being the veteran, you know, being the solid tackle guy. Up until the Niners game, he hadn't missed a tackle. He looked solid. Um, it, it, he had he's. Uh, no, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, I'm wrong. But, no, yeah, but but that's the thing. He came into that. He came into it with, with 13 tackles over two games. Mm-hmm. Not bad, you know. And I do a thing uh, for DK Pittsburgh Sports. I do. We, I always have the whiff chart, and uh, and uh, with the whiff chart, I calculate how many snaps you played on defense, how many tackles you made on defense, and how many missed tackles you had on defense. And I usually discount missed tackles if you're being blocked, like if you're reaching out sure. while the guys I think like that, just a one, yeah. And you said whiff chart, right? Whiff like W H I F F. Yeah, whiff as in as in like whiff. You know, yeah, yeah. I, I got gotcha. like, whiff, like whiffle. Ball. Not whiff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, this is this whiff. is yeah, this is whiff W H I F F factor. Um, and uh, and, and look and looking at it right now, the um, uh, Mark Barron, his first two missed tackles were in this game, but. On the season, and I, I I wrote about this on DKPittsburghSports.com. If you want a more in-depth film analysis on that, go there right now. You can find my Carter's Classroom right column. now. If you're if you're not a subscriber, sign up for just ninety nine cents for a trial month. Ooh, look um, at you getting the plug in exactly. there. We got to get our plug in there. It's DK Pittsburgh Sports. All love out there. So um, you know you get you get that you get you go there. You can sign up for just ninety nine cents for a trial month. If you like us, stick with us, and you can get all our Steelers, Pirates, Penguins coverage all day, er day. And I'm the guy that does the film room. I back up Dale. Lolly, who you guys always love on the on these shows, mm-hmm. he's always doing his insider look. But yeah, you got you DK Pittsburgh sports guys are slowly infiltrating the oh, SNR yeah. area. Yeah, we're breaking in. Started with Dale. Yeah, now you. No, I mean, me. look at you back to back days doing back shows, days, man. I, 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 I'm gonna, I'm gonna need to, need to like you know ask if you guys got a room to rent around here because I'm gonna be here every day. Anyways. <laughs> Uh, but if you go there right now, Carter's Classroom is my daily column Monday through Friday, sometimes Saturday, um, uh, where I, I break down film. And today I focused on Mark Barron. Now in there, I hadn't calculated all the missed tackles yet, and so I was, uh, yeah, I, I was going back and forth. But uh, coming into the game, he had 13 tackles on 127 snaps. That I have, I calculate what's called a find percentage, and that's how many times did you find the ball, whether that was a ball, you know, it was a running back or a wide receiver in coverage, you know, or or a tight end. That's just how many times you had the opportunity to make a legitimate tackle, and and this isn't, and I try not to make this an extension like, oh, you don't, you could have dove it and made this crazy play. It's were they in within your grasp? Did you make an attempt? Those type of plays. Um, and coming into the game, he had a 10.2 percent. You know, nothing crazy. Um, that you know, that that's that's kind of that's kind of average. Um, you know, and, but the thing is, with with your fine percentage, and what I found, because I did this all last year, what I found with my fine percentage when I'm calculating this from from players, I, I've I've always seen like it's better when your linebackers and your your especially your inside linebackers and your def- and your defensive linemen, they're the ones with the higher 
if they're the ones with the higher uh, fine percentage, that means your defense is is doing is doing a lot better because the the, the ball isn't getting to your cornerbacks, um, and that's something that re- that re- that really played into it this year. But the thing is, with this game, Mark Barron played seventy nine snaps. He had one tackle and two missed tackles. Now the two missed tackles kind of help his fine percentage, but. Um, you know, all in all, still that's inexcusable for your inside linebacker. You gotta have better numbers than that. And to to compare when you're when you're going when you're going throughout the, throughout the season. Um, last year, it, John Bostic, even though he was subbed out when he was in, his fine percentage was around was thirteen point eight. That meant like you know that was how many times he was finding the ball carrier. L.J. Fort, a guy who had very limited snaps with three hundred and five snaps, he found the ball seventeen point four percent of the plays that he that he was out there. Those are things that I I, I, I put into consideration. Um, and if you're a, if you're a linebacker up front, you need them to find to find those plays. Vince Williams' fine percentage was around a nine, um, and he would he was out there for significantly more snaps than all in fact he had he uh, he was he was uh he, he was out there i think uh one, he was one of the most used stealers on defense last last season um but you know this season so far um devin bush like you know and to compare him to his to his colleague across the board he's played devin bush has played 195 snaps he has 29 tackles that leads the team he has four missed tackles but that gives him a fine percentage of 16.9 um now that's the thing with Mark Barron is that you want him to get up into that that 15 17% range because that's when that's when you start saying okay our linebackers that means even if the defensive linemen aren't making the tackle they're opening up space for the linebackers to get there um, and then the other thing that, that won't show up is where the tackles are made and the and for example and I broke this down in my Carter's classroom column the one tackle he made was like a, on a five-yard gain. You need, you want them to be jumping up and making like a two-yard gain, a one-yard gain, a tackle for loss, no gain. You want them to keep that there, and um, and 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 that's and that's the thing with with Mark Barron. He has not. He against the Niners, he just wasn't there. Um, there was and on the the first of Wilson's touchdown runs, uh, they the the Niners pulled their guard and they had Uzcheck coming from a fullback position. Both of them went from the weak side of the formation to the strong. Barron was the weak side inside linebacker, and when they pulled, when a guard pulls, and this is basic football from back in Little League. When a guard pulls, your job as a linebacker and a defensive lineman is to is to either follow them, get in their hip pocket, get in the backfield because they're taking you to the run. Or if you can't get there because they're 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 the rest of their line clogged up that hole, you got to jump to the to the next to the next gap because you know they're coming that way, and you got to support the strong side linebacker by getting in there. Taking out that guy and then and then opening up the chance for him to make the tackle. None of that happened in that play, and that's why Justin Wilson had had that one yard touchdown run. Um, and just that and Mark Barron. The other thing is he needs to be able to help in coverage a little bit more. And uh, and he, he just he didn't look confident in, in coverage. And Matt Williamson talked with you about this uh, uh, yesterday uh, on SNR. But part of it is they look him and Devin Bush have looked uncomfortable getting to their spots at times. They're not like they're they kind of unsure. Like okay, do I drop this far? You know when when they're in this situation, how far? You know do I go here? You know how close did I get to that guy? There are there those are things that take time and take chemistry. And I'm not saying Mark Barron is a lost cause, but it is a major problem that he is not finding the ball more and looking more comfortable in this defense because he's the veteran. Devin Bush, you know, all the tackles are great, but he, he is sixth in the NFL right now in tackles. Right, Devin Bush, right, and, and he's he's all over the place. I think he's got two recovered fumbles. Mm-hmm. You know, th- those are good. But 
the thing with Devin Bush that you want to see is he needs to look like he's not as lost out there. A lot of times he's running around. And he's making great plays with his tackle. He's making great tackles, but you need to make more plays by being in position before then to either cut the playoff, get it, get some more pass breakups, you know, get an interception, you know, have more tackles at the line of scrimmage rather than five or six yards downfield. But again, he's a rookie. You knew that. That's why you brought in Mark Barron because you knew you were going to get a guy like you. They 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 said they were committing to get one of the Devons. Now Mark's with Devin. This is what you need. But as the veteran. You need him to be the guy that's settling everything down and saying, oh, it's okay, young guy. I got this. And I think he did help with that against the Seahawks. He didn't do that against the 49ers, and that has to change moving forward. I don't think that there's a reason to say it can't. Mark Barron is a smart player. I watched him in St. Louis, and uh, well, in St. Louis, with Los Angeles and St. Louis, and I watched him when he was a Buccaneer. He, he's a savvy player. He's going to figure those things out. It just It's going to take time within this defense. A lot of questions about that coming in here on Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at Carter Critiques. Uh, Brad wants to know, as it relates to the run defense so far, right? So how does does some of these struggles from the run defense, our thoughts on the run defense, uh, is it execution? Is it maybe just some of the teams, particularly the past two weeks that they've played, and that's how they like to play? Is that big, heavy, pound it, on-the-ground style? What are your thoughts on specifically the the run defense so far and how that relates to the linebackers? Well, a few things. One, I do think the defensive line needs to be a little bit better. I think Stephon Tewitt's doing really well early. Um, I think Javon Hargrave, not having the best contract year because you know his contract up at the end of this season. Steelers are going to need to either they're they're not going to be able to pay him. I just don't think that's going to. But you know, but but if he doesn't look better, his his free agency value is going to is going to drop. I mean, he he was a sack man up the middle for these guys. He was a threat, and a lot of people knew that Javon Hargrave was good. Um, but he needs to pick it up. I think he's not doing it. Cam Hayward also a slow start. I kind of wonder if there's something going on there with injury wise that no one's saying because Cam Hayward's usually your most reliable person on offense on defense, and I don't think that he's lost a step. Uh, like he's there's no acceleration that he's going to lose at this point at, at his age. I think there might be like some sort of tweak that even he I mean, he might even know about it or he might be just trying to play through it and not make a big deal about it. Um, but that's but you know that's Cam. He's a leader. He's gonna he's gonna put himself on the line for the team. That's why he's a he's a he's a, he's a great person to have on your roster. Um, but they gotta they gotta do better to hold up them holes so that Mark Barron and and uh, and the sec- Mark Barron and Devin Bush are more f- clean. So I think there's a little bit of that. But a lot of that is also. Look at you know when you know when a lot of those big runs started happening for the 49ers. It was the fourth quarter when this defense was tired. They weren't getting off the mm-hmm. ball as well, and and that's the thing when you're when you're not getting off the ball as well. That's when you see the struggles come. That's when you start seeing. Uh, that's that's when you see the the the, the slower. That's when you see Mark Barron not getting into his spot a little bit faster because they're tired. They're they're thinking a lot more and and you're breathing heavy and then your feet are just a little bit slower. And and the NFL shows you know the the, the a tenth of a second can make the difference between touchdown and being tackled for no or game. Or 10 degrees on the angle that you're taking with yep. your first step. Exactly. It's just it, it, the NFL is such an amazing sport. It must be an league because football is such an amazing sport, and that's uh, and, and that's where all, all of it comes from. So, uh, But a lot of that, it's, it is execution, um, but it's eventually going to become scheme if they don't find a way to get an answer because then it's going to be like, okay, well, they, they need this. I also think Daniel McCullers – he, you know, he, I thought he had a good preseason. He's uh, he's not really had a hot start to the year so far. And uh, Tyson Lulu, I think he's he's the veteran that you assigned him on to be. But um, yeah, there's execution problems right now in the run game. Part of that though is being tired at the end of the game because you're on the field so much. 
And it's funny you say that. We, we've got some questions here about the exhaustion as well, too. More questions about the linebackers. Some questions about Minka Fitzpatrick. One more segment to go. So when we come back, we'll hit it. We will get into the last of Twitter Tuesday, go through all of your questions. Again, a few minutes here, a few more minutes, I should say, to chime in on Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at Carter Critiques. We'll talk defense. We'll take your questions as we wrap up the show when, you re- when we return and you return. Come back with us inside the Electric Factory right here on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Wrapping up the show here on our first, our inaugural Twitter Tuesday of Steelers Blitz, Mr. Carter. And it's been great. We've gotten some great feedback yeah, here. Thanks some, to our listeners. Some great questions. Thank you, yes, to everybody chiming in. We like it, and we'd be lying if we said you didn't make our job easier. Uh, there's been some good discussion. We talked heavy Mason Rudolph in the offense in the first hour. We've gotten more into the defense here in the second hour, taking your questions on Twitter as well, at Carter Critiques, at Wesley Euler. And Josh wants to know, should we see more of number 92? Ola Adani. I, I think maybe to keep people more fresh, but I yeah, I just I, I think you still got to have T.J. Watt out there. You got, but you got to get, get him, make sure he has fresh legs. If um, I, I'd like T.J. Watt to regularly get around, you know, fifty snaps in a game, and, and that's one because your defense isn't out there too much, and two because Adini is the guy coming in there to plug in for him. And that's when you see T.J. Watt. Like, I mean, think about that that, that win against the Ravens a couple years ago mm-hmm. when he got into the backfield, sacked Joe Flacco, and the ball rolls out of bounds. But it's because he had gas at the end of that game, even though they were kind of gas. But he had he had the juice at the end of that game. You need him now all the time to have that juice. And I think Oladini can come in there and provide that supplemental help. Tanner wondering, some of the shortcomings, right, some of the failures on defense – are they more akin? I like that word, Tanner. Big words. Uh, Listen, I'm a WVU guy, letters. Tanner. Right? You can't be using these big words around me. Uh, more akin to last year's struggles and and failure to hold leads late in the game, I think is what he's alluding to there. Or, as we've mentioned, is it just the sheer number of plays faced and exhaustion? Um, I think I think it's more so the exhaustion. It, it I, can I certainly be a combination of both. It can be but a com- it's a combination because there are times that they've looked like I think the, P- the P- Patriots you saw more of that, but especially these last two games, I've liked the defensive Same game here. plan for they, for for and f- I've liked the defense for eighty percent of the game. Yeah, it's just like they until they, those extra twenty un- plays un- until and then you see they're, they're just a little slow to the ball. They're, and that's that's the thing when you're gassed, you're not talking as much. You're, you're in your you're 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 in your own head a little bit more. You're not you're not able to communicate as much because you're you're gassed. But you gotta. You got to get you guys fresh, and, and you also you can't keep giving quarterbacks the chance to read what you're doing. Like you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is one thing, but Russell Wilson, when you keep going after after the Steelers stopped him again and again and again and again, and, and the, uh, he kept getting back out there, eventually he was going to be like, okay, well I've seen them throw five different things at me now. Let's see how if this works, they're gonna figure it out. And this is today's NFL. The passing rules are made to to for the offense to succeed. You can't keep putting them out there because eventually they're gonna get victimized. Um, certainly, execution needs to be better. But part of it, I think, it will be better if they're on the field just a little bit less. I'm totally with you. I'm totally with you. Still some time to get your questions in at Wesley Euler at Carter Critiques. We spent some time there talking about the linebackers. Ray chimes in here. Why are the linebackers? Constantly out of place, seemingly over the middle. 
Uh, I think you kind of just touched on that a little bit there with the Baron conversation. Yeah, I, I think part of it's they're not familiar with with where to drop back and where to be in certain situations. Devin Bush has not looked comfortable covering tight ends. He looks good on on running backs, and he looks good on receivers that are on their crossing routes when he's playing zone. But I think he's still learning how to drop back vertically and challenge those taller guys because he's not a taller guy. Um, Mark Barron looks like he's still figuring out a few things because because the Steelers linebackers have also they've fallen prey to what we are saying that Randy Feetner and Mason Ralph should do more and that's play action there's a few there was, there was one pass where Mark Barron and Devin Bush were sucked up in play action and then I think it was Goodwin who got hit on a on a, on a corner route and Mark Barron was dropping back to his zone he just couldn't get there fast enough that looked like he could have gotten there a little, he could have tried a little bit harder but um, all in all you know he's a veteran guy you know he, he's not going to be the fastest guy on the team you need him to be the smartest guy on the team and I think that's where you need him to step up more and is to be in those positions um you know one, I think one of the great one of the greatest Steelers of all time Jack Ham wasn't the the, the biggest guy wasn't the no. fastest guy but he was always in position he was always right where you needed him to be and that's what can make you a great player there's no doubt that's that's a perfect example with Jack Ham it really is yep. Uh, a couple questions here. We got we got a couple questions about Jalen Ramsey. Okay. And any chances in acquiring Jalen no, Ramsey? No. Just yeah. just say no to drugs, y'all. Like yeah. like and I understand the question. You're excited. You just got Mika Fitzpatrick. No. no. Just not, and not only the money situation, but just. I, and I got nothing against Taylor Ramsey. I love watching. He's the best that guy. corner in the He's league. The best corner in the league, and I love his attitude. I I, I like you know I, I like the guy that that's that, that's that's cocky. I like the Muhammad Ali, Deion Sanders type of guy. Now I think the thing is is that with all the things that Antonio Brown was going through, right. The Steelers are stay away. We're wearing hoodies and t-shirts. Yep. During warm-ups that say shut out the noise. Yeah, exactly. And Jalen Ramsey would bring noise. <laughs> now it would be welcome noise because he'd be he'd be a heck of a cornerback. But I think I think Joe Hayden and Steven Nelson are doing just fine enough. You don't need to go get Ramsey if if they make a trade to get somebody. It needs to be a solid tight end, tight end. a tight yes. end, bringing them in there. You know, maybe a, maybe a veteran running back because you got a lot of young guys in the backfield right now. Um, you know, but then you're also looking at who do you bump out. But yeah, my my number one thing is if they're getting somebody, it needs to be a tight end. You know, maybe an extra pass rusher, maybe an extra def- of depth defensive lineman to help. You know, with the with the you know Tyson Lulu, I think it's fine, but you, yeah, McCullers just hasn't been that guy, and he continues to not be that guy. And let's talk about the capital here, right? Yeah, you don't have a first round pick next year already right. that you give up for Minka Fitzpatrick. Mm-hmm. You don't have a third round pick next year either, right? That you give up already to move up as part of the trade package to go get Devin Bush and that that little uh, dance that you did with Denver on draft night. So you've got now a second round pick in your first three rounds, and that's it. And now, granted, we all think the Steelers will get a comp selection back right. from Lev Bell. That'll be at the end of the third round. Okay, still a third round pick. But you know what? I mean, hey, if the Steelers want to trade that second round pick and just make draft night coverage really easy for us, <laughs> card, I mean, I'm okay with that. Let's not pick until the fourth round. Forget it. And we'll all just take the first two days off. How about that? Yeah, well, but again, they're, but they're not going to be trading for a top end, like a, a no. top tight end. They're going to be trading for a depth guy. It's you know? a fifth or a sixth or a seventh round. Exactly. Pick. I mean, they traded what a fifth to get Vance McDonald. Correct. And so, and uh, you would take another move like that right now. At least I, th- I would. I don't want to speak for you, but I would take another move I mean, like th- that. Don't forget, right they, got now. The, they got the Jaguars fifth, and the Jaguars don't exactly look like right. a team. You could trade. Hey, get get that pick out of here. Let you know. Let's 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 get rid of let's get rid of that. They still have the uh, the Dolphins fourth round pick, which is kind of a third round pick because it's most likely. 
likely going to be the first overall pick of the draft. Um, and I'm not saying it's kind of third, but that's just the, the the hyperbole of when you get the first pick of of of, of a of a round. Sure, you're getting the the last pickings of that of that last round. So, um, lots of things there. I I think that uh, there's there's still capital that you can move to get a tight end, just not Jalen Ramsey. I I don't even think cornerback's really a, a major concern right now. It, it's you know, Hayden needs to be a little bit better. I think Stephen Nelson has been as advertised. He's been worth every penny. Um, they, Fitzpatrick and Edmonds are going to continue to get better. And I think that yeah, those, especially those together, two are going to once their chemistry starts clicking, I think they're going to be. Really I think solid. people too are poo pooing Terrell Edmonds, man. They I still are. think this they, guy's going to be a good player. We I, I mentioned to you, uh, Devin Bush is sixth in the NFL in tackles right now. You know who's seventh? Who's seventh? Terrell Evans makes sense. I mean, he was he was a guy. He found the ball a lot last year. Um, you know, when I was again, when I was going going over people and seeing you know who who was getting where, he had an eight point eight percent you know fine percentage. He had seventy eight tackles on on nine hundred and sixty six snaps. He had seven misses, but that's pretty solid for a rookie who's just thrown out there. Um, and, and I think he's he's getting there this year. So um, yeah, I, I think I, again, I think the core of this defense has a lot of lot of promise when you got when you got Terrell Edmonds, Minka Fitzpatrick. Devin Bush, T.J. Watt, Stephon Tewitt, all in their either mid or super young twenties. That's a heck of a heck of a middle to your defense. It really is, and like you said, it's a young it's a young core for that defense. It's a it's a speedy core for that defense yep. as well. Too uh, our buddy Raymond chimes in here again, saying that. Mika Fitzpatrick is going to take the defense to a new level once so. once the linebackers catch up to speed. I, I think so. He's because it, the thing is that Minka's the guy that he's your X factor when everyone else is on is is, is on their thing. Uh, he's going to be even better. Um, I, I also think that with, uh, with with Minka Fitzpatrick, he's an X factor. I think Devin Bush is going to be an X factor. I think Devin yes. Bush is going he's to. He's starting to kind of scratch the surface. Exactly. Like I, you you said it last segment. Mm-hmm. He's still kind of that chicken with his head cut off. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just I'm trying to do everything, trying to make plays. Yeah. I'm, I'm, he's starting to settle down a little bit. He's going to learn the defense a little better. He'll get more comfortable with game planning as as the weeks go along. He's, I agree. He's scratching the surface. I, I think he's he, he's getting there, and he's certainly a player. I think the thing is when you got two X factors in the middle of the field, if him and him and Fitzpatrick are the guys, who look out world. I think that's a di- that's yeah. a difficult defense to play for. Especially when neither of those guys might be your best player on defense. The best player on your defense might be your edge rushing linebacker TJ Watt. And then you add those two into the equation. Yeah, I still There's a lot of promise. Listen, we've gone back and forth again, and I I get accused of this from both sides of being too pessimistic, too optimistic, not mm-hmm. being realistic enough. If you're asking me to put on my pessimistic West glasses here, all right? Right. I still think this defense can be really good. One of the best in oh, the yeah. NFL. I mean, they got to stay healthy. There's other factors that play of into course. that. But man, they've got the talent. They've got the youth. They've got. It's not like they're just throwing a bunch of new parts together, a right. la like a Cleveland Browns offense. Right. Like these guys, you know, with the exception of Minka Fitzpatrick and Devin Bush, and and I guess Mark Barron in there too. But Bush was in training camp. Barron's in training camp. Yep. Aside from those guys, so much of the defense in Dupree and Watt and Tuit and Hargrave and uh, Hayward in. Joe Hayden and Terrell no, yeah, Edmonds. Exactly. Right, there's, the continuity is there. It's not like you have a new. Uh, you didn't have a ton of turnover on the defensive staff. In fact, I don't know if they had they had added Terrell Austin, but I don't know if they lost. No, I don't think they lost a single anybody person, on yeah. the defensive staff. Well, so, uh, Joey Porter. Joey Porter. That's yeah. right. Okay, I knew there was somebody. Um, but there is there is. I think if you're asking me one area of this team that I think could get drastically better. Right, What's like, that? like I think Mason Rudolph will get better, mm-hmm. can get better, and will get better as the season goes along. But I'm talking drastically better. 
Mm-hmm. It's it's the defense. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and they have the roster to get better. Again, it's just playing together. Just remember 2016 when the defense was struggling throughout. You know, Ryan Chazier was getting his feet under him, and then they had that Cowboys game where Zeke and Dak just tore him up. Oh, but, but, that was. But ooh, after that, that game. game, the defense flipped, and they were a, a demon. They were just eating people alive towards the end of that year. And that was with a rookie Artie Burns and a rookie Sean Davis stepping into play, and you still had Mike Mitchell. Um, yeah, I think, and then you saw 2017. They were holding it down for a lot of it. I think this team has a lot better of a roster than then. They just need to learn how to play together. And I've been saying this on Locked On Steelers with my boy Tony Serino. Shout out to him. Get him some follows. It's at Steelers Country. Um, he's he, he's a heck of a guy and a, a co-host with me there. But we've been saying a lot there is that. This defense, you're not going to see them elite in week one, two, three. You're going to see them start to turn the tables around seven, eight, nine. That's when the defense is. I think is going to make their flip, and but then you're going to see them start to learn how to play each other. How you know what how, what each what your teammates like and how you can base yourself off of that. Then those turnovers start coming a little bit more naturally, and then by week you know 14, 15, if they're still in the playoff hunt, maybe that defense is kicking a lot more butt than you thought they would. I, I like that point by you too, because hey. Uh, we all know how how the NFL is in September and October when the weather's still nice yep. and teams are still relatively healthy. Look at, look at Jared Goff last year, uh, buddy. That's exactly where I was going. Yep. But then you get to the Super Bowl where the final score was what, like thirteen, 13 to, to ten to 10? Three, three? 13 to three? Yeah, something like that. Thirty to ten. We don't even remember because it, it was, was so, so bad. Scoring. Yeah. Uh, you. you it is easy to yes the NFL is a passing league now and yes you have to be able to put up points in the National Football League right. in the year of our lord 2019 to win football games but as like you mentioned when you get to week 7 into week 8 and when you get to week 13 and 14 and 15 and when you get into December and January football that script starts to flip the question is as you alluded to there mm-hmm. The Steelers are going to have to be able to hang around long enough, right, to be still be playing relevant football in those times when we think the defense ultimately, I could say, comes good, maybe even comes great. Yeah, no, I, I think they, they, got, they got to be, they got to win enough games now until until they get there. And who knows, maybe the offense will get there at some point too. But, um, but yeah, I, I think the big thing is just they need time, but there's certainly a lot of potential out there for this team to get for this defense to get so much better and to become a truly elite elite, elite unit. That'll do it for today's show. Back-to-back days with Mr. Carter. Chris, it was fun, buddy. I don't know when we'll do this again. I know, I'm know, i sure we will do this again. Who knows? We'll, I'll be back here tomorrow, Wes. We'll be doing all That's of right. I'll text you. I'll give you a text in the morning. Hey, you want to do another show today? Yeah, man. It's always great doing shows with you, man. You too, partner. It's it's a lot of fun. Like I said, I love doing this type of thing with thank you. Thank you, your, listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Lots of great questions. You're always so prepared. Our listeners were prepared today. Quick rundown. Shout out to Chris. Christopher, I should say. Steel Nation 19, Tanner, Raymond, Freeman, Gary, Chris, Francis, Josh, David, Robert, Ted, everybody who chimed in. Jason, everybody. I hope I'm not missing anybody. Devin, everybody who chimed in on Twitter today. We really appreciate it. Uh, no show tomorrow for Moats and I. Again, we will have the Mike Tomlin press conference tomorrow at noon. Moats and I will be back Thursday at noon, same time, same place. If you liked what you heard from Chris Carter over the past two days and maybe you're not as familiar with him as you should be on Twitter, at Carter Critiques, and you can find his work on DKPittsburghSports.com. That'll do it for today's show. We will talk to Yins on Thursday, same time, same place, high noon, on your 24-7 home of the black and gold Steelers Nation Radio.